we, uh, by God's grace, go through our seventh and final installment on this series of Psalm 23, All I Need. I will begin the verse and then you guys, I will fall out and you guys continue. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you've not been able to be with us for these last six sessions, I do encourage you to go online and watch them because not only do they stand alone in their teaching, but they're interwoven and connected. Here we have the greatest king, not only in Israel, but in the history of the world, looking over his shoulder of his past failures and successes looking straight ahead at the uprising of Absalom and difficulty and looking into the unknown future. One of the greatest poetic, beautiful, concentrated odes that have ever been written was Psalms 23. And David, with all of this going on, all of this has happened behind him, all of this is happening in front of him and the unknown and ahead of him. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd, Adonai. Jehovah God, he lead, he's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. He, he, he maketh me to rest. The first thing he said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Many churches teach you to work first. It's about getting you work, finding your potential, realizing uh, what God's put inside of you, going to the next level. David said, no, no, he teaches you to rest because rested sheep can do anything. He, he leadeth me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He leads me in, not only into safe places, but difficult places. He leads me into broad and narrow places, but He leadeth me. And he restores my soul. You may not know it, but someone on your row was counted out by their family and friends. Counted out, and all that they lost, God has given back. He may not given given back the same thing or the same way, but whatever life drained or ebbed out of them, He restored their soul. That, that's my mantra. You could put that bumper sticker across my car. He restoreth, not just restored. That's one time, but He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in right paths, paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then we talked about last week. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. The, the, the anthem of the Christian, the billboard, if you will, should be not afraid. For God is with me. If God is who he said he is. And if God has the power he says he has. And if God is as close to you as he said he is. What would you ever be afraid of? Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is not our impossibility. Our problem is not our difficulty. And our problem is not our weakness. Our problem is our lack of faith in God. Because great peace have those that love his word. And those that are confident in their God, who are confident, they'll be strong and do exploits. So we conclude this series. That was kind of a synopsis of that ahead. David kind of shifts gears here. He goes from talking uh, second person as a sheep, if a sheep could articulate his feelings, his ideas, and then he shifts to being a man, a son, a soldier, a king. Now, they can bleed together, but there's a break here in the context. Same guy talking in two different contexts, and here's what he says. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Going forward, you need to remember these few things. David said, after establishing God's leadership in my life and being a shepherd, number one, I will live in the awareness of your nearness. 
for thou art with me. You're with me when I feel it. You're with me when I don't. You're with me when I sin. You're with me when I refuse sin. You're with me in accomplishments. You are with me in defeats. Very few things in the life of a believer will impact you like a firm confidence in his nearness. If God is near me, then he is for me. If he is near me, then he is faithful because he promised to be so. If he is near me, then all that he is is present with me. You remember your first roommate? You get out on your own, you're grown, you got your freedom, and you and your friend, don't ever let your first roommate be your friend. Better to go astray because they... Haley, what'd you tell me? You don't know them until you live with them? Okay. You, they move in and they seem normal as your friend. And when they move in, all their stuff comes with them. A papa's on chair that's old as the Korean War. Cat stand, we ain't even going to get into what's on, on the flip side. We done flipped it over so many times. Bad ideas, bad habits, ugly pictures, uh, pets. I didn't know you had a, 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 an iguana. A lit, what did you bring? Oh, yeah, that's Spike. And I got a, you know snake and everything else. So when someone moves in with you, all that they are and all their habits move in too. Like, aren't you going to bathe today? (laughs) Nah, I'm good. I bathed two days ago. I'm good. No, you ain't good. I had a silk flower die just a minute ago right beside you. You ain't good. My point is, if you live with someone and I'm using the silly to bring home the, the divine... If they move in with you, then all that they are moves in with them. David said, thou art with me. Which means all that you are. You're omniscient. You know everything. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. You're all powerful. You cover me. Go before me. Go behind me. And our problem is that we don't see God not just near us, but in us. That's the hope of glory. Christ is in you. He's so close to you. He and you are United. Courage often looks like someone's will or decision to act a certain way, but all it is is God awareness. David said, I will live in the awareness of your nearness. If God is near me, then there's nothing to worry or be anxious about. If he is near me, then he's actively working his plan and will in my life. And if he is near me, then he is close enough to know. He's close enough to hear. He's close enough to hold. He's close enough to protect. Close enough to provide. And close enough to speak. Many times, you might find it silly, but I practice it. Many times when I'm going through difficult periods of my life, when I'm outside walking, I like to walk and pray. And when I'm talking about my money, I run and pray. You know, (laughs) But when I'm walking, I'll often stick my hand out like this. And I picture the Lord taking my hand and walking with me. Well, that's silly. It changes me. When I practice his presence, when someone speaks to me or you unkindly, and as soon as they hang up, and I say, I know you heard that. So I just bless them. I'm going to do good to them. I'm going to. There's something about his nearness. It changes the way you think, act, and feel. But when God is aloof and distant, you heard me often say, I love Christian music and I hate Christian music. It can have the best of lyrics. And then you go, what are you talking about? But it sounds spiritual, you know. uh, And one of the old hymns, and I love hymns. Please don't get me wrong. I'm more old hymn than I am some of the newer stuff because I'm white-headed. Anyway, anyway, one of them says, when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Precious Jesus, old man. Hope. I hope to meet you there. Think about it. When I kneel in prayer, I hope God's in. I hope he shows up. No, no, no. The Bible said the righteous cry in the Lord. He hears them and delivers them out of all their trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. He hears the faintest cry. He hears the softest groan. He's close enough to watch my countenance when it falls. 
He's nigh me, even in my breath and the words of my mouth. And that awareness changes everything. It's funny to me, and I, I know what we're saying, and Ben, you, you can appreciate this. Worship leaders will be like, well, Lord, we invite you into this place. Well, he was there before you invited him. And I know what they're saying, but isn't it better just to come in and you haven't even put your Bible down? He said, good morning, Lord. What are you going to do today? Good morning, Lord. God, I know you're right here in the car with me. One of the ways that I practice the nearness of God is that I vocally articulate my gratitude for almost everything to him. And one of my favorite things my wife does started early in our marriage. We'd be in the car even before there were kids. Did we have a life before kids? Did we? I don't Okay. And my little girls are four today. Can you believe that? My little girls are four. Oh, our little girls. I'm sorry. Our little girls. Yeah. Uh, something will happen or be given to us or we'll open a letter and there will be a kind some, uh, expression and I'll say, thank you, Lord. And she'll say, thank you, Lord. You can hear them in the back. Thank you, Lord. The kids. Because you want to practice. If he's there, you talk to him. And an unoffered gratitude is only an opinion. We'll give God opinions. We give him thanks. Nearness changes everything. An awareness of God's nearness changes everything. I need to hurry. Number two, I will learn the secret of peace. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will be at peace because you lead me. I will be at peace because you disciple and chastise me. And I will be kept at peace because in your mercy you rescue me. Very simply, he said, thy rod and thy staff. The rod was that which uh, the shepherd used to ward off enemies and predators. He'd also love tap the sheep when they were being ornery. Anybody ever been tapped by the Lord? Just a little, just, just, you're like, oh, just tap you. And the staff was that which he would use when one would fall a little bit off of the beaten path and he would take the crook and just bring it back up on, his, back up on the main part of the road. And, and for us, what David was saying is, you have the right to get me back in line. It brings me comfort when you quicken me. And some of you, maybe today, a new believer or, or seasoned believer, the Lord keeps convicting you about a, same, a certain thing over and over and over. Don't ever tell him to leave you alone. The worst place you can ever be in your Christian life is set on your own to your own understanding. David said, when, you, when I see you defending me, or correcting me. It brings comfort to me. It all goes back to this. If you are near me and attentive to me, then you will protect and chastise me. You don't hear much talk about that in modern contemporary Christian preaching, that God would chastise you. And the word is whip. That if God were to whip you, to chastise you, don't let it discourage you. It's an evident token that you're not an illegitimate bastard. It's what it says. In the, you're not a bastard child. You're his. And God will do time out, but he'll also do the shed out back. And any of you, I'm being honest. I know it's kind of funny, but if any of you ever had God not just resist you, but whip you, it's the evidence that I'm him. And the Bible said that our earthly fathers do it on this earth with mixed motive. But David says, when the Lord corrects me, in essence, I would rather have correction from your lips than rivers of praise from the lips of men. Your rod and your staff, when I see, let's say you're towards the back of the herd and you can't see the shepherd, but you can hear that rod hitting the rocks. He said, when I, thy rod and thy staff, they bring me comfort because I know no one can get to me and you're not going to leave me to myself. Number three, I will be nourished by your provisions. This is a unique verse here. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou preparest a table. Let's just think about that. God, the eternal one, sets a table for me to dine at. This table is set by God. It sustains me through the years, through lack and loss, sin and failure, and is set for me in front of friends and enemies alike. It is God that creates spiritual meals 
at the right times to sustain, preserve us, and to give us strength. This table is a divine table. Remember when Jesus said when he was working, uh, doing ministry, and the disciples knew that he had not eaten, and he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. You remember that? He was saying that God sustains me. The Father sustains me at a table. He provides nourishment for me. Have you ever been in your car and not doing too well and you're on your way to work and you're depleted and one song come up and it was as if heaven put this funnel in and said drink up and like drinking out of a fire hydrant it just washed over you and you don't know how it happened but in four minutes you went from looking for a bridge to drive off of to I got a feeling everything's going to be okay. You were nourished in one song, one letter, one word of encouragement, one scripture that comes out and the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And it changes you. It's a divine table. You don't get to pick what you'll eat. How many of your kids would eat the same thing every day? How can a human body exist on chicken fingers and ranch dressing? Every meal clogged arteries, you know, free angioplasty with that whopper. You know, it's the same thing over and over. Anyway, separate sermon. You have to understand that this table originates with God and you don't get to tell him what to cook or prepare. It's, an, it's a personal table. When you come into someone's house or you go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas and the table's set, you sit in the same seat there too? Do y'all? How many of y'all in the same seat you was in last week? How many of you somebody got your seat, thus leading you to sit somewhere else? <laughs> when the Lord provides, when the Lord makes a way, when the Lord gives me something, I feel like I'm coming home and there's a table there whether it has a name card or not, I know it's the Lord that's prepared it for me. And when encouragement comes from an unknown place and you sit down and you, you eat it, you go, thank you, Lord. It's personal. See, he knows what I need, when I need it. He knows how to prepare. He knows how to speak to me in such a way that I won't be confused that it was him and not man. Do you remember Saul on the Damascus Road? And Jesus appeared to him, bright, shining with resplendent glory, knocked him off his beast, blinded him. And Paul said, and I, or Saul said, I heard a, a voice speaking from heaven in the Hebrew tongue. It said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Do you know why he spoke in the Hebrew tongue? Because he was Hebrew. And God will speak to you in certain ways. And somebody else won't see it. And you'll just sit at your desk and cry because you know the Lord had prepared something for you at his hand for your nourishment. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, or financially. It's a personal table. It's an undeserved table. I think I've shared this with you. Great day. I've been with you 21 years. I've shared all of it with you probably. Um, I was rehearsing my blessings to the Lord. And it's one of the things your pastor does good. I've got my hang-ups just like you. I can be selfish and self-centered. But I'm very grateful to people and God alike. And I was thanking him and I was going down the list. And if you really thank the Lord from your heart, you can't do that without being emotional when you realize what he's given you and what he's done for you and what he's kept you from and how he's promoted you and how he's preserved you and on and on and on. And I was just pouring out my heart. And when I get to my, my wife and my babies and my home and, and my health and the, their health, and I was pouring it out and I said, God, you've just been so good to me. Look at my many, many blessings. And I felt the spirit of the Lord say, and none of them deserved not in a corrective way, but in a perspective way. John, I'm not giving you th these things because of who you are. I'm giving you these things because of who I am. And that table that he sets, it doesn't make you arrogant. It humbles you. And you want to eat every bite. 
Don't get caught up in false humility and go, no, 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 Lord, I'm a worm. Well, God's delivered you from wormship, your son now. And what he prepares for you, even if other people don't think you should have it. He made it for me. I determined years ago at the Second Baptist Building, before we ever moved over here, I said, I'm not taking off my coat of many colors for no one else. Never. I'm not going to flaunt it. But what the Lord does for me, He does for me. And I'm good with it. It's a personal table. It's a strengthening table. It's an undeserved table. It's a restorative table. It is a consistent table. It is a delightful table. It's an intimate table. It's a validating and vindicating table. And I've never heard a sermon on this, and I'm just going to just hit it and walk away because, you know, people read into whatever they want to. I don't have an angle. I just think it's neat that David said, Thou preparest a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. So what does that mean? Well, obviously he prepared it in the place of his friends. It means this. There will be seasons in your life where God validates and or vindicates you and your enemies can't do anything but watch. <laughs> They're over there scraggly, hadn't bathed in six months, withdrawn, faces, you know, concaving in, dark circles, and you over here. And you can hear them. Must be nice. It is. And I don't mean go over and walk over to them and act a certain way. But listen, don't mock me on the feast day. It took me years to get to this table. You at the end of the movie, baby. You at the end of the movie. Don't curse me, that person that's happy and dancing in the front of the church. And people will have the gall, the unmitigated ignorance and gall to fold their arms and go, <laughs> they're in the flesh. You don't know where they've been from. You don't know what they've come out of. They've been waiting years to dance and laugh. And they cuss you and they'll lie about you and say all they want. And you're this and you're that. And God will come right out in the middle of us. Excuse me just a minute. And take this big old round table or long table. Picture it. White tablecloth, linens, uh, candles, fine china. Not Corel, fine china. All the silverware is in its right place. Thank the Lord for Kelly. She knows which side it goes on. I just put it in the middle of the plate. Sets it all up. And I'm telling you this. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to give disclaimers. I'm just telling you I've had it happen a couple of times in my life. Where he does it right in front of those that wouldn't care if I lived or died. And he says, ding, 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 ding. Shh. Today... I want to honor my boy. And I love you, John. You're a mess, but I love you. And this meal of pleasure, of joy, of restoration, of provision, I don't want to just feed it to you. I want you all to know that I gave it to it. And it's not what you accumulate at the table. It's the words of the Father in front of everyone. That witness of the Spirit that you are His and He delights in you. And the banner over you is love. It ain't right. It ain't, is it? It's not, it's not right. I remember the first time uh, we purchased a very, very small, like 900 square foot condo at the beach. This was 20 years ago. I had a believer find out about it. You could tell, you know, body language will kind of give it away. When your arms are crossed so tight that the vein pops up in your head, you know. Met me in the foyer and they go, I'm not exaggerating. Y'all don't know any Christians like this. I know two or three, just two or three. Followed me outside and said, so when did you get this condo? And I told them, must be nice. I leaned in, I go, it is. When you, when you work 
and the Lord blesses you. You're not supposed to flaunt. But don't be ashamed or embarrassed because we walk through dry places with dignity. We walk through lack with dignity. And the Lord gives you something and you're going to hide it? The Lord is my shepherd. He'll set a table before me right in front of you. And you're not invited. Did it, did it. <laughs> Sorry. It's a prepared table. I don't know who this is for this morning, but when you walk in and Kelly's mom is the best host I've ever known. Everything's prepared to the nines. Does anybody else have a mom or a grandmom that seven is coming over and she cooks for 27? I'm not kidding. Okay, that was a little exaggerated. She cooks for 15. Easy. But the table is set and the buffet is set. And, you know, depending on the event, the walls are decorated for the girl's birthday. It's prepared, which means there was process there. And some of you, the devil is trying to trick you, and you're close to being deceived. And you're thinking because you haven't sat at the table yet that God's not working, but he's preparing it. Thou preparest. He doesn't do magic. Table. What's, what's taking so long? It could be that the table and meal is going to take your breath away. That could be taking that long. Us guys, we put a meal on for you. It's get it and growl. We stack the paper plates up right there. Get your own silverware. Go in the refrigerator. Get your condiments. I, I can feed 20 in like 90 seconds. I cook. I, get it. Go. Here. You want a sandwich? But God says, we're not going to do that. David tells us in his word, when I prepare a table, it's going to take some time. But I promise you, the meal is going to be worth the wait. It's a transformational table. When he feeds you in these divine ways, you're never the same. When he gave me Kelly, it changed me. When I watched them put Olivia and Isabel on her chest, I watched her flower bloom immediately. I watched it happen. Overnight, she was a completely different person. You're not changed when you accumulate stuff, but you are changed when God provides you things. And when you have a table, think of Drew and Kim who are going to be sharing today at the end of service my journey as a pastor when we didn't have nothing. We didn't have anything. You don't know where it's going to come from. You got people looking to you. You're supposed to pay their salaries. We had $5,000 in the bank. And Pastor Andy come up to me and said he felt the Lord told, us, told him to give it to an inner city church in Atlanta. I'm like, I didn't hear the Lord say that. That's what I told him. I, I don't, what channel you on? And I, but I trusted him. Andy's a godly, godly man. And I said, are you sure? He said, yes, yeah. write the check. Write the check. Little did I know that in six months, the Lord was going to join Christ Chapel and Second Baptist. And undeservedly, we went from nothing to a paid for, 350-seat sanctuary and $200,000 in the bank. Just, just provision. But when it happens, here's how you know it's God. When it happens, you're not dancing about your equity. You're backing up going, thou art with me. Oh, it's not what I got. It's who set the table. Oh, you... You're, you're watching over me. You saw how our landlord did us. And you said, this battle is not your battle. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't touch them. Leave them alone. Because when I get ready to give you something, no devil in hell can stop it. And when I get ready to speak over you a blessing, no demon can hinder it. And once it happens, that was the turning point for me. To my knowledge, I don't think I've ever worried about resources or numbers. Or, what are you going to do? It ain't my church. It's his church. It changed me. And some of you, I feel like the Lord's prompted me to tell you, he's preparing a meal for you. Just wait for it. And after you eat it, it's not going to be about the meal anymore. 
It's going to be about just knowing that God is with you. It's an unmistakable table, and it's a satisfying table. Going forward, I will be changed by your spirit, David said. You anoint my head with oil. It's hard to tell if he's speaking here as God's sheep or Israel's king, but I believe it's both. As a sheep in the fold, he's talking about the balm the shepherd applies to cleanse and heal wounds and to ward off insects and pests who would swarm and enter the ear and sinus cavities. Shepherds would anoint their head with oil and take the oil and put it down in their ears and in their nose to keep the insects out. And that's some application there, but I think it's more to do with him as a king. I, went, I think he went from seeing God not only through the eyes of a sheep in this psalm, but as a servant of the true king. He said, you anoint my head with oil. This anointing is about election. I was in my father's field, just serving sheep. Well, taking care of sheep for my father. Samuel, the prophet, came and said, well, the Lord had spoke to him to go to the family of Jesse. I've, I've prepared a king there. And he asked Jesse, where are all your sons? And he brought all of his sons in front of Samuel and never even brought David. There's a sermon there I'm not even going to touch on. What do you do when they don't even know you exist? And so he went before him and said, Surely this is the one, head and shoulders above the all, above everybody. And the Lord whispers, He's not the one. Don't look on the outward appearance. Because I'm not looking on the outward appearance. I'm looking on the heart. He's not the one. He's not the one. And then one of the most strangest questions or scriptures in the Word of God. Samuel, in our modern day English, was said, Are you sure these are all your sons? Think of that. Oh, yeah, I got one more. Thank you, Daddy. You know, that's... So he brought him before, went and got him. He's out in the father's field, faithfully serving, fighting lions and bears. And there's a whole other message there, too. If, if you're watching and Daddy's got 100 sheep and a lion comes in and gets one, you go, you know, uh, we can have more sheep. That's 99, that's not a big deal. But David was faithful. He was on duty and he wasn't going to let any of the sheep be slaughtered. Fought a lion and a bear. He come before Samuel and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, that's the one. In this series, if you don't understand this, you're going to be trying to force these ideas and principles into your life when it's supposed to be reflexively. You're the one. He chose you. Pepe, he, he stepped over your brothers and sisters, those that don't even know the Lord, and he says, I choose Pepe. David, the smallest, the weakest, the least considered. He said, You're, and Samuel poured that oil on his head and whispered in his ears and said, Thou art the king. What would happen to you if you truly saw God as close as he said he is and saw yourself as clearly as God says you are, you're it. You're the only appreciable asset in the world. You were formed in your mother's womb. You have been divinely recreated and he picks you. Girls, you may not understand. Well, this generation might, but my generation doesn't understand the backstop ideology. Guys, you remember, you line up for kickball in grammar school and then football and then basketball and you line up against the backstop and the two most aggressive guys are always captain because nobody wants to fight with them and they get ready to pick and you're, you know, you just, Lord, just don't let me be last. Just don't let me, just not last. But there's another part of us who were small and athletic. I remember thinking as a little boy, I said, just just pick me. I know. And I was the smallest kid in every grade through the eighth grade except one, male or female. I was just, I mean, little bitty. You can, my striped pajamas had one stripe. Do you hear me? Just, they, they thought I was wearing solids, but it was striped. Sorry. They're just in there. There's just so many of them. But I would, I, would be think, I would think, oh, just, just pick me, just pick me. And one of my most vivid, joyful memories is that after several Saturdays of football in our early teens, 
they wouldn't let my brother Jim and I play on the same team because we had chemistry together. We knew each other, and I could throw it. He could throw it, and they just said, y'all can't be on the same team. But that feeling when there's a whole backstop of guys and one of them says, I'll take little wood. Y'all, guys, don't you act like you don't know about the walk. There's the walk from the backstop to the captain. I pick little wood. What up with it? <laughs> Y'all just hold on to the back. You walk all the way over and then you turn on them. And go. Now, that's a little over the top, but there is, there is a confidence, not an arrogance like that, but there is a confidence. Oh, God, let me say this in a way that your people can get this. There is a confidence that comes in seeing God choose you that frees you from the approval of other people. I mean, I want you to like me. It matters, but it doesn't matter. It matters. It really does. Anybody else? I just want you to like me. I'm a great guy. Like me. But if you don't, I'm good. And you don't know freedom till you're free from the opinions of other people. I'm not saying, listen, oh no, I'm not saying I'm nothing. No, no, there's a difference. That's a fool that thinks he's something. I didn't say I was something. I'm telling you God picked me. And my confidence comes not in being elevated in the sight of men, but being found somehow desirable from the king of kings. You're elected. He said, is there any more sons? Well, just David, bring him here. You're David. You've been chosen. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. This anointing is prophetic. It was, it was foretold. It's powerful when God chooses you and fills you with his Holy Spirit. He equips you with divine abilities and supernatural abilities that transcend the natural laws of this world. When God anoints you, David goes from being a shepherd on the backside of a hill to the king of Israel. He goes from killing uh, bears to killing Goliath and becoming a, a warrior. This anointing makes you better than you are, makes you more effective than you are. It's God's divine enablement for, for callings. This anointing is purposeful. It abides, but it's reoccurring. Not only does he anoint us, but he anoints us for certain seasons and certain jobs. The anointing is undeniable. I remember before I understood it theologically, I experienced it in the natural. I've been preaching less than a year not good. Not a lot of wisdom flows from a pulpit where you've been saved about three months, you know. You're telling bar jokes and trying, you know, it's just going on. But I remember preaching a salvation message. And they came from everywhere. Everywhere. Gut-wrenching sobs as they came and fell before the presence of the Lord. I didn't even know what to do. And I didn't know what it was. And then as the Lord brought me around, and you can tell the Lord's doing it because you don't have an elevated opinion of yourself. And I read the verse that says, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I just poured so much of my spirit on you that what little you communicated changed them. God's anointing is powerful. And David said, he anointeth my head. He starts at the top so that everything's covered. It's undeniable. You, you can't deny it when you're called or anointed. And the anointing is the difference between success and failure, between flesh and spirit, between pure and impure. The anointing enables you to do it all. Number five, I will live grateful. My cup runneth over. Someone would say, well, my cup's not running over, but it has. My cup runneth over. Not always, but it does run over. Not necessarily in the area you're expecting it, but it does run over. Not based on your goodness, but upon God's goodness. It does run over. David is expressing spiritual insight. He's expressing meekness, humility, gratitude, and his burden to give God glory. Why is it we are so clear 
on what is missing and so fuzzy on what we have. Those of you my age and older, you remember that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. You know why we don't do that anymore? Because it'd take you all day. I challenge you to do something. I challenge you. Some of you will just nick it off. Some of you will take the challenge. Get a legal pad. Put it on a desk or your table or whatever. And just during the day, during the evenings, whatever, write down the things that you know God has given you. Do it for seven days. You will flip that page over and over and over. And David said, now, his son is trying to kill him. His son's taking over the kingdom. And he said, my cup runneth over. Because God, I'm not going to ignore my many blessings because of a few difficulties along the way. As for me, see, when you, when you testify, it's recorded in heaven. The Bible says in Malachi, and those that feared the Lord spoke often one to the, another about God and God's goodness. And the Lord heard it. And he said, you're going to be mine when I set apart my jewels. You that talked about me. And, told you. and I want to tell you for my life, my cup runneth over. This broken cup, this dirty cup, this orphan cup, this small cup, this unattractive cup. God has filled it and filled it and filled it and filled it. God, he's my shepherd. He not only anoints me, but he pours blessings and goodness into me. David's telling you his cup runneth over. It's a factual declaration. It's a grateful declaration, a worshipful declaration. Number six, we'll hurry through these and we'll be done. I will live with divine expectation. All right, I don't know how many of you there are, but if you are open to being convicted, you may be convicted here. David said, surely, say it with me, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Divine expectation is the anticipation of God and goodness in your life. Don't answer out loud. Do you anticipate God or evil more? Do you anticipate blessing or cursing? If you're a Murphy's Law person, you failed the test. What is your expectation? Remember when Jesus walked on the water to the disciples who were rowing in the boat? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. You know what the problem was? You would expect a ghost before God. He said, surely that divine expectation is, is such a pulse of glory that it keeps uh, discouragement and depression out because any minute God could come right over that hill. Surely, goodness and mercy. Surely, not maybe, not might be, not hope so, not praying towards, surely. And I'm asking you as a fellow believer, is there a surely in your soul? And if there is, is it common and is it consistent? How old are you going to be till you get to surely? You're in your 40s, your time's running out. I can prove it. Reach up here. God, just reach up here. Time's running out. Everything you're losing up here is forming on your wife's lip. Time's running out. <laughs> I was just trying to wake up those that are playing on their phone. That's all. I didn't mean that. I'm asking you as a fellow believer, if I never get a chance to preach to you again, do you live with a surely in your heart? And are you vocal about it to your wife, your husband, your children, your coworkers? What would heaven say? But there ain't no surely in them. They'll pray, ask somebody to pray for them, and God will answer them. They go, I can't believe it. That the prayer was answered. And thinking God's pleased, many times he blesses us in spite of us, not because of us. And I want to tell you today, I am at the place where if I've not attained it, I see it and I'm striving for it. That I know that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm not expecting the devil. I'm expecting God himself. 
I'm not looking for Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus who shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. That's what I'm looking for. Surely God is with me. Surely God is for me. Surely God's enough. Why do the nations rage and all of them plan these plans against God? He laughs at them. He said, the earth is my footstool. And the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wants to. Surely, that's going to be my, that's, I'm just going to do something, paint my door surely or something. So people are like, surely. Not, well, I hope so. I've been praying for you. How you doing? Well, ain't no surely in there. Now, don't lie. It can be horrible and say there's been no change. The doctor gives me the same report. But surely, the Lord is my healer. Surely. All right, I'm starting to preach. I got to get back and teach here. Okay. As a believer, your expectation should not come from your past experience, but your present spirituality. Well, I'm just keeping it real. No, you're keeping it dead. You're killing everybody else around you. Look over my shoulder. Anybody can see their past clearer than they can see God. Anyone can do that. Sometimes you have to close your eyes so you can see. Sometimes you have to ignore all that's happened and say, I want to... That's, that's why the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror, people. I need to see where I've been, but where I'm going is way more important. That divine expectation is more than forward thinking. It is forward following. It's more than positive confession. It's a genuine, accurate, and factual confession. I'm not trying to convince myself or you of anything. It is from the abundance of my heart that my mouth says, surely. Surely God is with me. Surely God is for me. Surely God is working. Surely God is in control. And surely God has the final say over anything in my life. So you do what you're going to do, but God's going to finish what he planned in my life. Surely. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. How are you going to get out of this? Surely God has a plan. What are you going to do? I don't know, but surely God does. What did the doctor say? He said this, but surely God has the last say. This divine expectation came from the clarity of looking backwards and the faith to look forward and expecting God's goodness to find him. Here's what should propel you. If you see the shepherd in his in all of his glory, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his nearness, and you see his goodness. God is so goodness. God is so good that his goodness has to find me. Like water finds the lowest spot. David said, same, oh, same guy. He said, I almost fainted. But I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I just got to live another day. Because I believe he's preparing a table. And I believe his goodness is going to find me. And finally, how I live today is the evidence of where I will live tomorrow. Lisa, would you come up here for me since Ben broke his leg this week? Y'all, Ben did. Ben, ben, ben came to work day on crutches. That's all I'm saying. For those of y'all that slept in, Ben came on crutches. That's all I'm saying. How I live today is the evidence of where I will live tomorrow. I'm not speaking about work salvation. Many people hide today in this hyper grace and they do not realize that they are blind, naked, miserable, and poor. They think they're rich and increased with goods. But their heart is desperately wicked and they're bathing themselves in carnality and sensuality and they know not the Lord. And because of their acts, the Bible says, the wrath of God falls upon the children of disobedience. How you live does not merit salvation. It's the evidence of salvation. It's the proof. And Christian, you mean, mean you've talked about this before. Those that used to run with us are amazed that we don't go and do the same things anymore. We're not trying to merit salvation. We're saved. I can't follow you into that sin because my shepherd's not leading me there. 
I don't make my choices no more. I made one choice. I will follow you. So how you live today will determine where you live tomorrow. Your desire today. What is your desire today? What is your big thing? What is your primary thing? Whatever it is, it's the librarian of your past, the orator of your present, and the prophet of your future. Your words reveal your hearts. Your words reveal your priorities. And your words reveal your treasures. And lastly, this statement, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If not the solution, it is the perfect reply in every situation where you don't know what to do or what to say. When crowds are thin and you can't find the table that's set, you can't see the Lord moving, you see the enemy laughing, Goliath taunting, and the devil whispers or demons whisper in your ears at night. Where is your God? And out of your belly flows the scripture of Psalm 23. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How can you say that? Because I'm living here today and I'll live there tomorrow. The only thing different now is now I see through a veil darkly. But then face to face. You know why I'm I'm looking forward to heaven? Because I love church, the church. I want to live with you because I'm going to live with you. How can you not love God's house and want to go to God's house? You see what I'm saying? I love, let me tell tell you, I'm I'm quick, done. Tell me all you want about the church's hangups, the warts, the the weaknesses, the failures, the flaws, and all that. My experience, I'm 54 years old. I've did it all in the world, and I've did most of it in the church. The church on its worst day is better than the world on its best day. Period. Period. And I will dwell, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're just going to change seats. And it's soon, y'all. It's soon. Time is running out. Make sure that you have one shepherd, an exclusive shepherd. Make sure you follow him consistently, wholeheartedly, immediately and thoroughly. Make sure you stop long enough for him to anoint your head. Make sure you live in the awareness of his election of you, his choosing of you. Make sure you're grateful. And every time your cup splashes, say, thank you, God. Thank you. And then make sure that your friends, your family... And the enemies and adversaries of this world hear you say all the time, surely. What are you expecting? I'm expecting good. I'm expecting good. I'm expecting good. I want to just pray for us. And then we're going to shift gears. And I want to give Drew and Kim about 10 minutes to tell us about their church. And this is their last Sunday. And we got a lot of mixed emotions about this. And before they come up, I'm going to pastor first and then listen to me. Everybody look. If there are some of you that think we're supposed to do this and not be torn, you're wrong. How do you lose a Drew and a Kim? Or those that go with them? Well, if it's the Lord, it shouldn't hurt. Goodbyes hurt. So the people that go with them, we love them. And they love us. This isn't either or. So don't, don't misunderstand. Don't say, well, if this Lord, it just shouldn't hurt. It's hurting me. But I told him in my office this morning, I love you this much. Not only to let you go, but send people we love with you. And we want to give them a chance to share their vision. And we're going to take up an offering and bless them. And uh, you see the van out front for them? Wasn't that wonderful? And we're going to give them our trailer because they're going to need something. To, we'll get us another trailer later. But I want to pray and give them a chance to come talk to us. Tom, if y'all would take those, uh, set those up for me up here. God, thank you so much for today and your word. And now, Lord, with great joy, we give Drew and Kim a chance to say goodbye to us and tell us about their new work. I want to say publicly, Lord, what I've told them privately. Never once... 
have they ever caused discord, caused problem, but have always been servants, uh, those that healed, helped, built, developed. Our church will never forget them, O oh Lord. And we want to be a blessing to them, not just today, but in all the days to come. Let our church, Lord, be one of the encouragers that shout the loudest and give the most. In your son's name we pray, amen. Church family, would y'all welcome Drew and Kim this morning. Yeah, get you some of those. Well, good morning. Um, before I get into anything radiant, um, let me just say two things. I just want to one more time honor our pastor. Um, this is my pastor, and I just want to honor him. What he has done and what this church has done to launch Kim and I Radiant Church is rare. Um, it's rare. Uh, not only has he just given me his blessing, but He's given me a van, and you do realize that I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't park that van up front. Uh, I, when I pulled in this morning, I saw the van. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, Pastor John made sure that, that van was up front. He's allowed me to hang a banner and talk about the church and to share the vision, and that's so rare to have a pastor that is so kingdom-minded. And I just want to say one more time, um, thank you. Uh, I mean that. And can we just honor him? Yes. The other thing that I just want to say, uh, and, then, and then I'll run my mouth about Radiant, is um, I'm also excited about the future of this church, um, especially for the teens who are going to be here in the fall. Uh, I know Chris Weeks. He's a friend of mine. And I'm going to tell you, you're in great hands. Um, not only is he talented, but he's humble God's with him, and I am, I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader as, as he comes and partners with some leaders and begins to continue the great, uh, the, the great tradition of uh, Christ Chapel Youth Ministry. He's going to do an incredible job, and uh, I just cannot wait to see that here. And so, um, having said all that, um, wow. <laughs> Let me talk about Radiant. Um, is it okay if I stand? I've just got, I've just got a lot of energy. Um, I do. <laughs> Um, this isn't some quick decision. This is years in the making. And again, one more time, Pastor John has given me just the freedom just to walk through this over the years. And it just became apparent uh, back in March that it was time. And let me tell you what I believe God is doing in this city. Um, God is absolutely raising up a generation of people in this community that were absolutely passionate about Jesus Christ. And God has asked and invited Radiant Church to be a part of that vision. Um, I've, never, I've never been a part of something in my life where I've just, God just talks to me and, and, and really just begins to share with me just vision. And, and I just see the name of Jesus Christ being lifted up in this community like never before. And he's asked us, asked us to be a part of it. Jesus Christ said this. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so if I could just tell you at first what Radiant's going to be about. We are absolutely, unashamedly, we're going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in this city and in this community. That's what it's all about. That is absolutely what it's all about. Our Sunday morning gatherings, and we're going to Amstar 16 Theater uh, to begin our Sunday morning services in January. Um, if you were to come, you're absolutely, yes, our goal and our vision is to challenge the seasoned believer that's there so that, so that way they walk out with practical applications to begin to live out, to grow even more closer to Jesus. But at the same time, we believe that Jesus Christ is so big and so all-encompassing and so huge that every single message that we do should be tied back to him because we want to challenge the believer. But at the same time, the person who does not know Jesus Christ, every single Sunday, they're going to hear about him. They're going to hear the good news. And we're going to provide an atmosphere and a platform to where Jesus Christ can be prevalent in their life and they can hear about him uh, every single Sunday. On top of that, we've got plans and God's given us a vision uh, to really have discipleship through community. 
I am absolutely passionate about seeing small groups rise up in this community, um, coffee shops, schools, homes. I just want to see that because we just believe that as we get to know each other and as we begin to have a community with each other, that, um, that, that, that as we study the Word of God and do life together, that it becomes that much more alive. The other thing that I would say, too, is that uh, for Radiant Church, we wanted to be a place that we make it easy for people to use their talents and their gifts uh, to dis- not only discover them, but to, but to begin to use their talents and their gifts uh, to help build the church, uh, as well as to help begin their own personal walk with Jesus Christ. Because especially for those who have served, there is nothing like, um, yes, we, we all go through times where we walk through a church and, and, and it's there for us and we want to be fed. But for me, there's nothing more sweeter than to walk into a church and, and God allow me to use my talents and gifts. And we want to make it easy for them. So yes, we are starting uh, January 22nd for our services. One of the questions that, that I'm probably getting asked is, okay, cool, we're, we're, you're going January 22nd, that's great. What do we do, but what, you know, what, what are we doing or what does Radiant do it before then? Well, this is what we're telling people. Radiant Church actually starts next Sunday, August, August 7th, after our launch meeting on August 6th. Um, but we're just not starting Sunday morning services until January 22nd. We're going to spend the fall building up a launch team. We've got a massive calendar already planned full of outreaches, uh, times where we can get together and dream, times where, uh, where we can meet people who are unchurched and we can build relationships with them and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Uh, we are already believing that God will bring people into the kingdom before January 22nd. I'm believing that. Uh, but also, again, time for us to build communion. We've got a calendar plan already for teenagers and for children's. Uh, and we've also got dream, uh, dream nights as well to, because we just, we just don't believe that our best idea has been given yet. And we want to invite our launch team just to come and dream with us um, so that way we can continue to build this church. And uh, so, yeah, um, and, and we'd love, and here's what we would ask from this church family. Again, there's no sales pitch uh, I'm not going to, you know, walk up to you uh, after, after this service and be like, hey, you coming? Hey, I, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm not. What I believe is that, uh, is that the Spirit of the Lord is going to go through and the people that are supposed to go with us, he's going to lay it on their hearts without me having to manipulate it. Um, but I would ask, there's two ways to support us. Um, number one is that, uh, is that you can just support us from a distance with prayers. You can follow us on social media and uh, just to keep updates. And, and I, especially the prayer part, we need it. Uh, we, we believe that before we can do anything, we have to win the war in the spiritual. And we absolutely, uh, our desire is to have God's blessing and his covering on every part of what we do. So please pray for us. And I believe that, that, uh, that God maybe will send us people as well that will, uh, that will join our launch team. And if you want more information, you can come see me. We also have a launch meeting uh, this Saturday, August 6th at our house. Would love to have you come. And again, as the Lord leads you, there's, no, not, there's not gonna be any sales pitch from me, but uh, we will absolutely give you all the details. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've, man, I, I, there's been so many nights where I've just stayed awake just praying and just, and just sensing God's nearness. We've got some work ahead of us, but I believe, I really believe that God's in it. And I'm excited about what Radiant's going to do and how God is going to use uh, our church and our efforts uh, to truly uh, see the name of Jesus Christ lifted up in this community. And uh, so thank you again. Thank you for everything that y'all have done. And uh, um, I will not forget the last four and a half years. The sweetest thing for me is not that we're going to plant Radiant. The sweetest thing for me today is the friendships and the friendly faces of the people that we have done life with here for four and a half years. So thank you, thank you. Hey, Drew, before Kim talks, let me just share this one thing. When you go, like let's say you want to go to launch me. I just want to speak to the unsaid. If you go there, that doesn't mean, okay, I'm no longer part of Christ Chapel. And if you don't go, it doesn't mean you're not going to go there. We can do this with such grace. Go and check it out. Go. The Lord may have you there just till January. And he said, now go back home. Or he may say, go and stay. But it's not an either or. We're the church. It's not two separate churches. We're the church. And so don't, don't think, well, if I go there, I'm turning my back on Pastor John. No, you're not. And if you tell him, I'm staying here, that's not turning your back on them. 
Be open to do it naturally and normally. Go to all the launch meets if you want to. Go to one. But don't feel like if I take this step, now this door shuts. They're going to think I'm neurotic. They already think you're neurotic. Don't worry about it. It's all good. We're all good. So, anyway, Kim. Oh, <laughs> um, I say that too. I guess just have it. Um, I love this place. I, um, for the four and a half years, y'all have heard me say many times, I love this church and it's my church. And um, thank y'all for loving me and my family like you have. Um, and letting us do it. And letting our babies grow and letting Drew and I grow. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you for this season. And it's not a goodbye. It's just a we'll see you around. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to, yeah, give them a hand, would you? <laughs> guys, we'll be done in five minutes. Just let Children's Church know we'll be done in five minutes. Uh, I want to take up an offering, and you can make it to Christ Chapel. 100% of everything that comes in is going to give them. So here's our gift to them. We're giving them a van and a trailer to put all their stuff in because they're a mobile church, and then this first offering to get them on, on their way. Now, you might say, well, Pastor John, I don't have it today. No problem. You can give it next Sunday, but if you do memo, radiant, it'll get to them, okay? So ushers, if you will, serve our church, and then we're going to Pastor close. Pastor John, can, can I say something real sure. quick? I'm sorry. Hey. And again, as, as the Lord leads you, but here's one of the beautiful things about the organization that we're planning, planning with. And, and if I were you, I'd want to know, for those who do give today, the ARC is going to match it dollar for dollar uh, to go toward, uh, 100% to go toward, our, uh, to go toward our launch on Sunday. So the Association of Related Churches is going to match our giving to them to launch their church. So all the reason more. Will you give us a song here, buddy, while we take up the offering?